eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman and Jacob Rudner. We wanted to get an episode to you guys today to break down sort of the recruiting impact of the spring game because, Blake, obviously, Florida had a lot of guys on campus. I guess the first bit of news, Florida has gotten its first commitment, a technically second commitment, right? Aaron Gates is committed in this class, but really the the, the guy that, you know, a lot of people were waiting for, the, the first sort of new commitment uh, for Billy Napier and company. Can you fill us in on that guy? Yeah, Florida landed a commitment from three-star wide receiver Tyree Patterson out of Eustis, Florida. Um, he's a guy that um, had visited in early March, um, came back again um, for the spring game, was offered um, earlier part of April. Um, immediately after you know Florida offered, they, they went up to be his leader, um, really liked Florida, really had a good connection with Kerry Colbert. Billy Napier was a guy. Joe Hamilton is another guy in the behind-the-scenes part of the recruiting office that was really working uh, Patterson as well. Um, so he gave Florida an Easter commitment. So that is the first really outright commitment for Billy Napier um, in that 2023 class. He's a, he's a little bit of a guy that's kind of a gem, um, you know, had really good numbers as a junior, um, didn't play on, a, on one of the strongest teams out there in the state of Florida, but still had pretty good numbers. Um, I think that I think he's a guy that if you pair him with some other guys that are, you know, let me, let me back up here. The state of Florida in general in 2023 is absolutely loaded with wide receivers. So I think if this guy, if you pair him with some other big time wide receivers, I think this is a guy that's going to need some time in the system. He's going to need some time to develop. I don't think he's a guy that's going to come in and make it an immediate impact. But I do think with some coaching, um, he's a guy that the staff really does like. I think with some coaching um, and kind of fine-tuning some things, I think that if you pair him with some other guys in this 2023 class for the wide receiver position, um, I think it could still be a really good class. Um, you know, they still have a lot of other guys on the board for wide receiver. Again, it's a deep position um, as far as just talent in the state of Florida. And it's a big need for Florida. They really need to bring in some wide receivers this cycle. So um, I think he's probably going to be closer to the floor of your class, or at least he should be to kind of take away whenever he gets to be signing day um, of just who you've reeled in. If he's part closer to the part of the floor, I think you've got a really good class. Um, but again, it's a guy that the staff really likes. They've really reviewed his tape. They like how he gets behind defenders. Um, he's really kind of the system that he runs. It's sort of that RPO type of system that Billy Napier really wants to bring into Florida. So I think as far as the system fit, I think he fits really well into what they want to do. Um, and again, with some coaching and some size, you know, he's not, 
Um, he's not the fastest guy out there, but he's not a turtle. Um, so I, at least on the field, whenever you watch his film, he does get behind a lot of these defenders. So I think that uh, in general, you know, it's a guy that staff was excited to add. And, you know, here we go. Billy Napier got his first outright commitment for 2023. I want to talk process a little bit with you guys in terms of, you know, how the class is put together and sort of, I guess where I'm going with this is the reaction from certain corners of the fan base. And, and by that, I mean really the diehard sort of recruit Knicks who have watched really the last two coaching staffs not place the right kind of premium on recruiting. There's some level of concern. You know, Florida's gotten all these these high-profile five-star buzz-type guys on campus, and the first commitment was a little bit off the radar, right? And obviously, Billy Napier and his staff have done their homework on this guy and, and feel really good about him. Um, but I want to I wanna talk maybe about the dynamics of this class. Blake, we've talked about it a little bit. I want to get Jacob's thoughts on it, too. Um, it, it very much seems to me like this cycle, maybe more so than, you know, cycles in the past, whether it be because some of these guys couldn't get on campus, uh, you know, as sophomores back in 2020 or because of the emergence of NIL, it seems like guys are a little bit more in control of their timeline than maybe in the past, where in the past you could have coaches sort of push, you know, for some of these high profile five star types to commit early. I don't think we're seeing that. And I don't think that's just with Florida. If you look at the recruiting rankings, it's a lot of different schools that maybe don't have their classes filled right now. Jacob, what is your thought on just sort of recruits taking their time with the process in this cycle in particular? Yeah, I mean, I think you touched on something interesting, and that's the NIL aspect of recruitment at the moment. And it's just that I think that there's a degree to which players are now considering financial opportunities and trying to wait it out to see what's going to arise in a certain situation. Uh, and, and you can't blame them. I mean, they have the access to these potentially extremely lucrative opportunities at certain schools. And by shutting doors early, you potentially take schools off the table that are going to come with these financial opportunities. They're going to be able to put you and your family in a different financial status than you were before you signed or committed to a school. And so I think that we're seeing a lot of these higher profile targets basically keep their names on the market for longer because they're trying to see who's going to come to them from a business perspective. And again, you can't blame them. Um, the other thing that I would say, though, is that for Florida in particular, I think that a lot of these guys like what they're seeing from Florida staff and Florida has done a really good job of communicating with prospects. And like we talked about last time, all three of us were on a podcast together. Florida's done a good job of making kids feel special. Uh, and I think that there are high profile athletes who are really considering the program for that reason. The problem, however, and we've now seen it from a couple different kids is that the length of the relationship that they've been able to develop with Florida pales in comparison to a lot of other schools. And so while they might want to consider Florida and keep them in their process and see where it goes, especially now that there is some lengthier timelines in the recruiting process, Florida is at a slight disadvantage by no fault of its own, just because these kids haven't known the staff as long as they have at other schools. So I think that that's also a factor uh, for kids who really do see Florida as a potential fit. And then, like you said, I, I think NIL plays a massive factor in just the, the way that timelines are extending. Blake, are you, are you sort of seeing that? I mean, do, do you feel like that's a legitimate factor? I mean, how much of that is, um, oh, I don't know. I just, I, what are your thoughts on that, that angle of it? Well, you know, I think even just a couple of years ago, you, when you started moving the timeline up for these official visits into the spring, into the summer, I think that that in general kind of killed the majority of these guys making decisions earlier as far as, you know, February, March, April, that kind of timeline. Because I think that in general, guys, 
so, so moving up the timelines for the official visits, that sort of made it to where you see a big flux of these guys that want to be done before their senior year. You know, those are the guys that, <clears throat> excuse me, want to be done in January or excuse me, in July, um, somewhere near the part, you know, early part of April, you know, after they're able to take some official visits or, you know, sometime in July, you know, that that's really where that timeline sort of developed from was these guys that want to make that. So I think whenever you pair the earlier official visits, because, uh, I would say more than 50%, and I don't know if I can give you an accurate number, but just more than 50% want to take those June official visits and want to be done before their senior year. You see so many of these guys that, you know, yeah, they may still take some unofficial visits or any OVs they have left in the tank down the road, but the majority of these guys have wanted to get their decisions done after they take their official visits. Guys want to be wind and dine. They want to go see all these places that maybe they haven't been able to see before because, you know, if you've got – you know, Jimmy Jones over here in Florida that wants to go visit Oregon, that's not a, an easy place to go get for an unofficial visit. So do they wait and see some of these places that, you know, maybe they're not going to go, but just want to be able to see that's where that I think slowed down a lot of timelines. But then like Jacob said, you throw in the NIL. Um, I think a lot of these guys want to see what's out there, you know, kind of let the, uh, you know, let things marinate as far as you know, what a school can do, listen to their pitch that they have for what they can do and what they put together as far as the infrastructure for NIL. So I think that that's where you see a lot of the big time players that have kind of taken a slowdown on things. You know, they're not really locking in early. Um, you know, I, I know fans really want, you know, one of those big time recruits to jump in a class and then kind of help recruit and attract others. But I think that the, the, the emergence of NIL has guys that are waiting to see, you know, what a school can do for them. You know, yeah, you take a visit. You can easily take a visit in the summer and hear what the infrastructure is for the NIL. But as you develop those relationships more and more, um, schools can kind of figure things out and, you know, maybe even say, you know, well, this is what we can do, blah, 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 whenever you sign down the road. So I think that Kids are not only listening to a, a, a wider net of what these schools have to say, but I think that in general, they're kind of seeing as things continue to develop deeper, you know, what they can do, what new opportunities can arise. So I think that the emergence of the official visits being earlier and NIL has even slowed things down even more. Let me ask you about this, too, because I think this could be a factor as well. How much do you think Billy Napier and his staff are sort of just being selective? Like they, they know that they're in on these big time targets. And so they're not willing to take as many commitments early. They want to see how some of these recruitments play out. Because if you look at, you know, the transition class, Billy Napier came in and and they had some some high profile, highly ranked guys that didn't end up in the class, you know, because Napier had some things he wanted them to do or, or they didn't fit the exact mold he was looking for. I, I think I'm actually encouraged by the fact that the staff seems to be very selective at this point. They do. And I think that, maybe in, for some of these guys, they are being selective. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, if you're being I, selective, you know, you, you took a guy like Tyree Patterson, that's what you probably could have waited a couple months for, or, you know, kind of let things play out. So I think that they are being selective in some areas. Um, but I think that some areas like wide receiver, where you need to take a deeper class or offensive line, where you're expecting them to take a deeper class. I think that in some areas, they probably are being selective because you want to try to get in, um, you know, you've got so many different targets, at, you know, like at those positions, like I named. So maybe in some positions where it's not exactly a big need and you want to wait for, you know, the five star top 100 types of guys, you know, like, um, you know, like defensive back, you know, obviously um, Florida's got a good amount of young defensive backs on there, you know, um, 
you know, even safety where the, you know, just landed a guy like Kamari Wilson to where you really are trying to wait for like, you know, the big dogs, like a Jonel Aguero, you know, a top 100 type of guy that Florida's recruiting right there at safety. So maybe they're being selective in some areas, but I think in some where you're going to take a deeper net, you have to cast a wide net as far as throwing out those offers, um, a lot of offers and, um, you know, taking a guy that, you know, maybe you could have waited on, but you just know that, you know, you need to have some guys in there as you continue to continue to build around them, and you've got bigger fish on the board that you also need to continue to stay active with. And, and as much as Florida's, and as much as Florida is, sorry, Thomas, as no, much no, as you're good. selective, I, I think there's also a degree to which the guys that they're recruiting. It goes back to what we just talked about, where the people who they're targeting are guys who are extending their timelines. So, you know, as much as it might come off as they're being selective and not taking certain guys and waiting, I think that it's just that the the if you look at the class that they're trying to land. Broadly, it's a bunch of guys who are looking for the NIL deals, who are evaluating opportunities for schools that are going to be able to present those opportunities. So I, I think that there's, it kind of goes both ways. I think that, like Blake said, I think there's a degree to which that they are being selective at certain positions, whereas at other position groups, they're able to take a deeper class, wide receiver, offensive line, like he said. And then, you know, you're also talking about guys who are just not going to commit right now. And, and because of their profile and because of the things that they might be looking for outside of the school or around the school, and it all contributes to just kind of being a slow burn for the class. So I, I think actually that it has a lot to do with both of those things and it combines to make it look like it's kind of a slow, a slow run here, but it's kind of that way for everybody at the moment. Yeah, I guess the, sort of where I was angling more with that was like, you know, we've seen with previous coaches, Jim McElwain, uh, you know, Dan Mullen we saw a lot of early takes from, from guys that, you know, the people that really follow recruiting and the, the fans that are diehard and into it, see them as sort of these, as Blake sort of put it, the floor types, right? The guys that they're fine. You're, you're never going to sign a class of all four stars or five stars, right? So you're going to have a couple, whatever diamond in the rough, call it what you will prospects, right? The issue was under those previous two coaches, you'd have a, a, a handful of those guys this early in the class and without a whole lot of those, those upper end types. I guess what I'm what I'm really kind of saying is I think I'm not concerned because right now, at least, because right now you're not seeing some of these high profile Florida targets that are near the top of the board necessarily committing to other programs, maybe one or two. But for the most part, you know, Florida's targets, the top end of the board is still on the board. Right. And I haven't seen them load up in ways that's going to limit the rest of the class. And to me, that's I think that's encouraging rather than than concerning at this point. I would agree. I've seen it too. You know, even um, I think it was the 2020 class where Florida had a, you know, buku number of guys, you know, heading into the summer or at the, to the end of summer. Um, I want to say they had near a full class by then anyways. And, you know, maybe only a, a certain, you know, four, maybe four guys at the max were guys that were like, you know, legit guys, you know, and the rest were kind of just filler guys. So um, I think that you're, I, I, like I always say, I always put the biggest judge on where the class is at the end of July, heading into that senior season after you get that big wave of guys that make their decisions. Um, so I don't think there's any reason to hit the panic button. I know Tyree Patterson was a guy that, you know, a lot of fans on message boards were, you know, kind of wondering what was going on. And, you know, I think that was just kind of the buildup of a lot of, you know, the, uh, you know, cryptic emojis and, you know, different things that the staff was doing to kind of build some excitement. So I think that, you know, whenever you have this big tab of being a recruiter and you've got a guy, 
Um, I, I think that they expected, you know, the fans at least expected, you know, maybe a five-star type or, you know, an AJ Harris type of guy, or, you know, a, a top 100 type of player. Um, but, you know, the staff likes him, you know, they obviously they accepted the commitment, you know, they offered him, they did their homework on him. Um, kind of like you said that, you know, whenever they cleaned out some of those guys in that previous, you know, uh, you know, kind of bump class that they had there um, with the 2022 guys, you know, so they've done their homework on this guy, you know, they obviously liked him enough to take him and, you know, they're they're going to continue to kind of go around the same way but you know with Tyree I think again you know it's just it's part of taking a deeper class because a you have a big need and there's still a lot of big fish there on the board and I think you nailed it with just you know that's a position where Florida's probably going to go pretty pretty heavy in this cycle and so they need to they need so it doesn't hurt to get a guy that you really like on film get him in early if you're sure that he's a guy you want to take um I, I would only get concerned if you have a bunch of those types of takes you know, and you start seeing some of the higher profile guys go elsewhere. But to me right now, I think Florida still got the traction with those guys. And I know that both of you have had a chance to talk to some of these high profile targets. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back on the other side, Blake and, and Jacob, I want to get a little more nitty gritty with you guys on some of these prospects that visited what you're hearing from them and, and sort of kind of set the board for us going into some of these summer months where some of these guys are going to make their decisions right after this break. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman and Jacob Redner. Uh, Blake, I'm going to I'm going to throw it to you first. I guess first and foremost, you know, people that are on Swamp 24/7 have seen your 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 some of your articles, your confirmed visitor list for guys that made it into the spring game, but for the the more casual viewers that may be watching on YouTube or or listening to the podcast that maybe aren't quite as in the weeds, can you give us just sort of an outline of some of the top prospects that showed up to Florida spring game last Thursday? Yeah, you know, I think one of the more impressive guys from seeing them in person was Maryland transfer Daryl Jackson. Uh, he got in the uh, Wednesday before the spring game. Uh, massive human being. You know, even the pictures, if you look at him on, on social media, of him standing next to Javon Dexter, who is another massive human being. I mean, he he looks pretty, pretty even keel with him. So, um, you know, he's taken some visits. You know, he's popped up at Florida State. Um, he'll be at Miami this coming weekend for a visit. Um, he's going to take some official visits down the line. He's going to make that decision in May. But, you know, from um, 
from a, from a depth standpoint, you know, I think that you've got a guy that had some snaps as a freshman for Maryland started uh, their bowl game. Um, so from a size standpoint, I mean, he checks out, you know, he obviously put up numbers um, as a freshman. So I think that he's a legitimate <clears throat> guy that could make a, you know, make an impact for Florida um, going to the five stars, you know, five-star cornerback Cormani McLean, who came out of that visit saying that basically Florida and Alabama were the two schools that he felt the best about. Um, he could obviously take some more visits. He's got enough offers to take my entire family to college. But I think that Florida and Alabama have been rumored as those two schools in the best spot. And he kind of confirmed that. Um, also said that he was thinking about a, a, excuse me, a June-ish timeline. So somewhere in there in June, I think he'll take some official visits and kind of go from there. Uh, five-star offensive lineman Francis Maui Goa um, was another guy that was uh, that had popped up on on campus. Another five-star type of guy, a guy that you know Darnell Stapleton, Chris, or, uh, Rob Sale, um, you know, all those guys are really prioritizing him. You know, Billy Napier as well. Um, they even go as far as you know he's he's from out west originally, um, attending IMG Academy. Um, his family will do Zoom calls with with the coaching staff, so they're definitely trying to make the entire family feel good. Um, they're really pressing to do an official visit with him to get that family on on campus so that they can you know meet with the staff. This was Francis's second time meeting with this new staff um, and another five star Samuel and Pimba, who's more of an athlete. But I think at the next level, he's more of a, you know, a jack linebacker, edge rusher type of guy on the defensive side was previously be re being recruited by a lot of schools at tight end. Um, I think he's fairly open with the process. You know, I think Florida has a seat at the table somewhere in there. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, it's, it's a pretty, pretty deep table for him. I think that he's a guy that's going to take his time with the recruiting process. will probably take his official visit sometime in the season. But I do think that Florida, it's encouraging the fact that they've got him on campus twice. Um, and I think that they need to obviously continue to get him on campus some more, being a guy that is taking his time. Uh, Four-star running back uh, Trayon Webb um, came out of Florida's visit saying that they lead. <clears throat> He'll take an official visit that first weekend in June. Um, Tennessee, Penn State, or some other schools that are in there for him. South Carolina is another school as well. He visited them for an unofficial visit after his time at Florida. Um, has been pretty consistent on, you know, Florida has been, you know, kind of the perceived leader, but he came out and really confirmed that saying that Florida's got the edge for him. I think one of the more interesting visitors was a top 100 type of defensive lineman to Marion Parker um, had had visited Florida twice under the old staff. And he was, you know, had pretty much taken the gloves off about, you know, what he thought of them. You know, he visited previously, never really got the time around them, um, was was pretty upfront with the fact that Florida's previous staff had left a sour taste in his mouth. And, uh, you know, here comes Florida's new staff putting in a, a reoffer, recruiting him just as hard. Um, and, and they get him on campus. They visit, you know, he visits and, and Florida moves all the way up to his top three with Ohio State and Alabama. So I think that that was a really good visit there. Um, four star wide receiver Hakeem Williams is a guy that, you know, had been Florida had been on the outside looking in. Wasn't really a, a guy that was mentioning Florida, if at all, Um in, in previous, you know, just earlier on in his recruitment, um, they've gotten him on campus twice now. He really seemed to kind of like the fact that Kerry Colbert um, does really well with bigger wide receivers, which is what more of his frame matches. So I think Florida still has some ground to make up in that recruitment, but I think that it's encouraging that they're starting to get some footing there. Um, they need to continue to keep getting him on campus and keep staying active with him, but they're in a much better place than they were maybe three, three months ago or so. So um, that was another big time guy. Um, you know, I mean, there were so many guys on campus. I mean, in general, and you know, obviously not all of them are, are regular 
targets for Florida, but they had like 300, 400 guys on campus there. So, um, you know, four-star defensive lineman Jordan Hall, four-star defensive lineman Derek LeBlanc. I mean, they had a lot of guys that were kind of regular visitors there. So um, four-star offensive lineman Peyton Kirkland was another guy who's been on campus a bunch. So, I mean, there were a lot of guys that were on campus at Florida. Um, a lot of these guys, you know, like the, um, you know, the Trayon Webbs, um, you know, the uh, Eugene Wilson, a, a slot receiver who I'm really high on, and I think he's he should be, and I think he is Florida's top slot receiver guy. I mean, these guys left campus saying that Florida were their leaders. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, they did a really good job. And, you know, yeah, there weren't the, you know, the, the influx of commitments coming in there. But I think that, uh, you know, like, like something Jacob said earlier in the show was that the fact that these guys are still, you know, yes, you can visit a bunch of times. And, yes, you can have an idea of the coaching staff. But I think in general, um, you know, they're still kind of it doesn't compare to a lot of these schools where they have long, you know, more than a year relationships with. But I think it's encouraging the fact that Florida has so many guys that they're on the on top four. You know that with this army of recruiting staffers and the way that the on field coaching staff recruits that they're going to stay active with a lot of these guys. So um when these guys start lining up commitment timelines, you know, you know, the sport of staff is going to continue to stay after them um, and they're going to try to continue to stay on top for a lot of these guys and, and hopefully land a commitment. Yeah, I think you're definitely hearing a lot of the right things coming out of these visits. And that's that's kind of what you always focus on. You know, yes, a lot of times, you know, those comments are generally positive. It's, it's pretty rare that you hear guys come out and, like you said, sort of take the gloves off. Um, but I think you're hearing the right things. Jacob, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot a little bit. You know, we, we're hearing all these positive things from a lot of top-notch recruits. Florida's obviously doing a very good job getting them on campus. What is your general sense, sitting here with two commitments in the class, just about where things are headed for this class? And, and I know it's a little bit speculative. We, you know, there's a lot of conversations going on behind the scenes with NIL, but also just, you know, coaches kind of play things close to the vest for the most part with recruiting. I'm putting you on the spot. Where, where do you think this thing is sort of trending at this point? I, I, I think you guys have done a really good job of kind of covering exactly how I feel. And I'll reiterate it. I think that Florida is doing a good job, A. And B, I think it's too early to jump on them and hit the panic button for what could be happening. I think that they've done an awesome job of getting high profile targets to come onto campus, to leave campus feeling good, and then to return. Uh, Blake mentioned Francis Maui Goa. Let's use him as an example. Five-star, highly recruited offensive lineman. He's now made two visits with the new staff. He was at the spring game. Peyton Kirkland is a guy who has been all over the state of Florida. He is outwardly loving Miami, yet he continues to come back and visit with the new staff. Uh, Bryce Lovett, another offensive lineman who I think is trending in a really good direction for Florida. He has been on campus, it feels like, every weekend. Uh, Derek LeBlanc yes. is another guy <laughs> who is, is on campus all the time. I mean, the guy practically lives there now. Um, and those are good signs for a new staff that, again, hasn't had as longstanding a relationship with some of these prospects as other schools have. And they're clearly still staying in the process for some guys who are some difference makers in this class. Uh, one example that I'll, I'll give of how, you know, kind of a marker of the coaching staff's success of at least keeping its name in the battle and giving kids something to think about, even though they haven't had the longest standing relationships or they haven't had as much opportunity to get face-to-face -face time with these kids is Lucas Simmons, who gave an unbelievably honest interview when I talked with him. And he basically said that Florida was on the outside looking in of a top five that he was planning on dropping. He did not plan on putting Florida in his top five. He was at the spring game and he basically said that they changed my mind and gave me a reason to basically reorganize how I'm doing this entire thing. 
I'm redoing my process because of the way that Florida is making me look at it. And he basically said he's not dropping a top five anymore. He wants to decide over the summer and he's going to try and reorganize his official visits based on, you know, different factors, one of which is not going to be the length of his relationships with certain coaches. And I think that that says a lot. If Florida is changing minds about things like how long have I known this guy? How comfortable am I with these coaches? And kids are starting to reevaluate based on like the consistency of the visit, which is what Lucas Simmons says he's going to do. That's super important. And it says a lot about how persuasive the staff can be and how much they really are building connections quick with kids and making them feel important and really giving them something to think about. Let me, uh, let me piggyback on that to a, a slightly different topic. He's, he's the second guy now that we've seen where the coaching staff on social media has very publicly sort of picked out a catchphrase or a hashtag. Uh, he's got, you guys fill me in on the particulars. He, he's got a European background. I forget the exact. He's country. from Sweden. There you go. Yeah. So they, they are tweeting, hey, jaw gators. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I'm not Swedish. I think it's hey, yeah. Uh, I hey, asked uh, him. Okay. There you go. So the entire staff. And, and like, so I have a, a list on TweetDeck of all the Florida football players, coaches, uh, off-field staffers and all that. And literally, one of these hashtag goes out, and then my whole timeline just starts scrolling, right? Of AI Gators, right? <laughs> Fans obviously see that, and they think something's maybe imminent, right? And you've seen it with the sunglass emoji tweets. And the why not Florida and tweets why not with Florida. Trey on web. Right. So I guess, how, how effective is that as a way of sort of building, I guess, goodwill with that individual player as far as making them a focus? Versus is there some level of needing to temper that because the Florida fan base is as big and hungry as it is? Well, I think they successfully do two things. I think they successfully make kids feel special because that that's, that's what the kids want to do when you're being recruited. You know, I, it makes them feel good. And I, and I, Lucas even said that, you know, after I talked to him after the game, you know, that it's a small gesture from the coaching staff, but it's a giant gesture to him. So I think things like that, that are personalizing it, um, you see an entire staff, you know, it's not like it's just one you know, coach or a couple. I mean, it's literally like the entire on and off field football coaching staff that's putting out these things. So I think that that gesture in general makes guys feel like a priority, but I also, so that's successful in making those guys feel special, but I think they're successfully pissing off the Florida fan base as well, because I think that a lot of the guys um, that are under the previous coaching staff, you didn't really see them active on Twitter. So I don't think that the new the new staff, fans are kind of like, what do we do? You know, like they're like the Billy, you know, um, you know, on, on Talladega Nights where it's like, what do I do with my hands, you know, type of thing. They don't know what to do. They're not used to seeing that type of engagement on Twitter. So I think that when they see that, they think there's like a verbal commitment coming. So I think at the end of the day, you have to look and see where your bread is buttered. And obviously, I think that, you know, if you're going to make these kids feel special and you're going to make them happy and you're going to, you know, continue to progress in the recruitments, if that's what's helping you and that's going to do something, then I say do it. So I think that there's there's got to be a, a way to figure things out because the fans, I think, will either get used to it or just continue to just hate that this, you know, this this flux of tweets. So I think if you're the Florida staff, you can't really worry about what fans are doing. So you have to continue to do what's going to be good for your program and good for these recruitments. But they're definitely successfully making kids feel special and successfully making a lot of fans on edge. Yeah, I, I know that was kind of a random, random question for you guys that we hadn't talked about. I just, you know, it's it's something that fans are talking about. I figured I'd get your take on it. Like, uh, if I, we, wait, if, if I could yep. just add real, real quick on that. Um, one thing that I do think for people who are listening to this, um, I know explicitly from people within the program 
that that does not mean that there has been a commitment. It has been said to me in no uncertain terms that they really are just doing it to make kids feel special. And they're doing that successfully, like Blake said. So I do think that there's value in doing it. But I know for a fact from multiple sources who have said it because they're recognizing that fans are getting upset, that it is not being done to signify a commitment. It really is only just to you know engage with the, the student athletes, to have a good time with them, to make them feel special, which is happening. But, but it really is not, it is not a commitment. It, it hasn't been yet. So, there you or, go. well, it hasn't been in the last couple of times, but it, just keep that in mind when you see it temper, uh, you know, hold back the anger because I I'm telling you with certainty that that's not the intention. All right. So Blake, we had a, we had a non-pro version of the zoom thing pop up telling me we only got a couple minutes here. So let's wrap uh, in the next five minutes or so. But I wanted to, speaking of commitments, who are some of the guys coming up? maybe over the summer, but, but particularly, you know, closer that are, that are looking at commitment dates. Um, you know, just off the top of my head, um, you know, Trey on Webb, who I mentioned earlier, the four-star running back said his, uh, his commitment date for, um, for June 30th, that's going to be after the official visits. Um, another four-star interior offensive lineman, Najee Harris. Um, he's going to be making his decision on May 7th. He was another guy that was at the spring game. I think he's taken three, two, three visits to Florida so far this year. Um, Jacob and I both feel the same way. And we think that Florida is really doing a good job and trending the right way in this, in recruitment. And I think that it's a twofold thing to where he's gotten to know the coaching staff and they've gotten to know him because he's more of an interior guy. They got to kind of size him up, see his body size, you know, get it, get it, you know, continue to watch his film. So I think that that's a guy that Florida's in a really good spot for. Um, then you've got, you know, the, the trio of Orlando guys that are making their decisions on July 23rd. And that's four-star linebacker Malik Bryant, four-star offensive lineman Peyton Kirkland and four-star defensive lineman. Um, Derek LeBlanc, those guys are all going to be making their decisions there. They're not a shoe in to be a package deal type of thing. It's just merely the guy that, that trains them is, is, you know, facilitating them to make their decisions. So, um, I think Florida's in a really good spot for a lot of those guys. Jacob, am I forgetting anybody that's really set a decision date? Um, Samuel Pendleton, an interior offensive lineman is making his announcement on April 25th. I don't think that Florida is in a, in a great spot for that one. I think that they came in kind of late, uh, in his recruitment he's a guy, you know, family wise that has valued relationships and the longevity of those. So I think that Florida kind of had a disadvantage, uh, but he is deciding in a couple of days and Florida is among his top four. Um, May 14th, Daryl Jackson, the Maryland transfer. He'll make his decision then. I thought it was May 15th. Uh, I think it's the 14th. One of those two, two days day window. We're close. Enough. Yeah. One, <laughs> one of those two days he's making a decision. And then there are other guys who haven't exactly set date yet, but we do have kind of a time frame. Uh, Bryce Lovett actually told me yesterday that uh, he's looking at potentially June uh, as well. Uh, I think the 25th was at one point when he was kicking around, but he said it could be earlier. Yeah, I think that the date's kind of May 15th. You're right. Look at you. Yeah, I, for Daryl, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. Uh, so yeah, love it, love it. Potentially sometime in June. Uh, Simmons is another guy actually who we just talked about who basically told me July, but for him it's going to be about just getting through the official visits. Uh, he does no plans to announce a top anything list he just wants to get to the visits and then decide uh, and then other than that i think you touched i on think it. you'll see a lot that will be popping up in the coming weeks you know right, i think yeah. guys that are going to make they, their just yeah. guys will maybe cut down some top schools before or after spring football they'll start sending some official visits i think you'll start to see a lot more of those guys that are going to be making their decision timelines that'll become more clear as we get closer to the summer but those are just some of the ones i i know that i've already set some yeah all right any general closing thoughts from either of you we got another minute or two here at most 
Uh, nothing really off the top of my head. I think that one of the things that, you know, stuck out to me the most from the recruiting standpoint of that spring game was that instead of having guys in those South bleachers where the team comes out of, um, Billy Napier, at least for just the spring game, moved them over to the alumni side to where they could fit the families in there right behind the Florida, um, the Florida bench right there for, I don't know what color team it was, starting, it was over starting there, offense. but this, but this, the blue team, I guess, yeah. um, had them there. So that was cool to, to see that because usually you see a lot of those guys packed in there in that South end zone bleachers like sardines. So that was cool to see that, you know, kind of have them to where they could be a little bit higher up, be a little more comfortable. So um, that was just something random that I, that I thought was cool about the spring game. All right. Well, that'll do it for today's episode of the swamp 24 seven podcast guys. Hopefully, uh, you know, us kicking it around and chatting a little bit, will give you a little bit better perspective on where we think things are. Uh, certainly don't, you know, begrudge anybody a, a, critical opinion or anything like that. I think that's that's what makes this fan base so special. Uh, it's it's big. It's wide. Uh, expectations are rightfully very high. I just think, you know, the, the full context is that, look, this is a unique recruiting cycle in the fact that some of these guys couldn't visit as sophomores. They couldn't get to campuses. You have NIL is absolutely brand new. And, and literally, it seems like every day we're finding out a different angle to it. And, and these kids are learning that, too. And uh, I, I think it's good that they're they're taking their time and sort of understanding their value maybe before making decisions. So I, I still think generally, like like Jake and Jacob and Blake have said, I, I think things are trending in an overall positive direction. I think when it would be time to panic would be if some of these top targets start heading elsewhere or you start hearing things that at least right now we're not hearing. Right now everything's been very positive, and so I think as long as the Florida coaching staff can keep that rolling and. And, uh, you know, as they get into these summer months, start to land some of these these big guys into the boat. I think Florida will be in pretty good shape. But that'll do it for today's hey, episode. Commits. Yep. Hey, I commits. There you go. Hey, I commits. So that'll do it for today's episode of the Swamp 24-7 podcast, guys. Stay tuned to your Twitter timelines for those emojis. And be sure to like and subscribe if you like today's episode. That'll do it for us. Thanks. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.